0: But but here's here's kind of how I want to start, and I think all of us need to hear this. Theology matters. Theology matters, um, and, and by theology, here's what I mean: simply, who God is, and how He works. So think of theology in that way: who God is, and how He works. So so hopefully that that's simple enough for us to get our heads around. Um, but. I almost hate to have to say theology matters, but I feel like I do, because when we live in a world that that a doesn't care about it, if if they do, uh, oftentimes they treat it like it doesn't matter. Even in the church, even among God's people, there's this notion out there that theology is really not that important. Like I've even heard people say, "Just give me I don't need theology. Just give me Jesus." there's a problem there. Because the moment you say the name Jesus, you know what you're doing? (laughs) You are now doing theology. Because what Jesus? What do you mean by Jesus? Who is Jesus? Right, And, and, and to answer those questions, you have to start doing theology. And we could say that we could ask the same kinds of questions about God and about the Holy Spirit. So the question isn't, are we doing theology? The question is, are we doing good and biblical theology? And there's another reason theology is important, and it's this. We always live out our theology. We always live out our theology. In other words, what we believe inevitably shapes how we live. As we finish up Romans chapter 5 tonight, we're going to get a good theology of sin and of grace that I hope will help shape how we live. So we're going to hear about sin, we're going to hear about grace, and then we're going to let that shape and form how we think about how we're supposed to live our lives. So that's what we're going to see here in Romans chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there, or it's going to be there on your screen, Romans 5, and we'll do verses 12 through 21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. By that, just here, it was not evident. It wasn't known. Um, Verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We, we could spend really like six weeks on this uh, section. We're, we're going to take 30 minutes and talk about this. So we're really going to hit the high points. Um, so I want to look at... Sin, I want to look at grace, and then I want to talk about why that matters to us. Okay. So first, sin. You see it there in the first paragraph, verses 12 through 14. There's a few things we need to see about the nature of sin. First, if you see right there at the beginning of verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. First thing I want you to see about the nature of sin. Sin came into the world through one man. Here in this verse, Paul is pointing us all the way back to the time of Adam and Eve where God had declared one tree in the Garden of Eden to be off-limits. Adam rebelled against that command of God. He rebelled against God, and he took the fruit of the tree, and he ate it. And it was through that act of disobedience that sin came into the world. So bottom line, through this first sin, all the world was plunged into sin is what the Apostle Paul is telling us here. Through Adam's disobedience, all of us were plunged into disobedience. So that's the first thing I want you to know about sin. Secondly, again, look at verse 12. Not only were we plunged into sin, but now we also suffer the consequences of sin. And you see it right there in the middle of verse 12. Consequence of death. Death, and all that comes with it, Alzheimer's. Heart disease, cancer, brain tumors, suicide, homicide, genocide, war, car accidents, grief, homework—maybe M- not that one. Out um, of <laughs> my addition, um, all of that is not a part of God's created order. But because of sin, we have this world full of death and all those things that come with it and a lot more that we could have added. And not only that, I think this death that Romans 5 is talking about, you need to understand, is not merely talking about physical death. Though certainly that's, that's indicated in this. But I think there's also a spiritual death that's meant here in Romans chapter 5. Here's what I mean by that. Our souls, along with our bodies that are dying, our souls are dead separated from god and hardened against him and against his good commands so not only through adam did sin come in but also death because of sin third thing i want you to hear about the nature of sin sin brought death and this death is universal Again, look back at at verse 12 where it says, Death spread to all men because all sinned. So none of us, not one of us, will escape this reality. Because of the entrance of sin into the world, death, and again, all that comes with it, are going to be realities for all of us. On March twenty fourth, 2015... Andreas Lubitz, co-pilot for German Wings Airline, by the way, a man who had a history of mental illness, he locked his senior pilot out of the cockpit and he flew flight 9525 into a mountain in the French Alps, killing all 150 passengers on board. Maybe you heard of it. As he flew that plane into the mountain, Lubitz was acting as the representative head for all who were on board that flight. His actions and his decisions were going to have implications for many. That's what I mean by representative head. And if you think about it, we have representative heads in a lot of other arenas too. We have them over our families. We have parents, mom and dad. We have them in our churches, we have them in organizations, institutions, Alger, the Board of Visitors. We have them in our governments. And some of those representative heads are good, and some of them are not so good. But what they all have in common is that their decisions, their actions have implications for us all. Here's why I'm introducing this idea of representative head. And you maybe already figured it out God set up Adam as our representative head of the whole human race of all mankind and his rebellion against God in that first sin had implications for us all in that first sin we too were plunged into the mountain of sin and death now if you're thinking You may be raising the objection, that's not fair. I didn't ask for Adam to be my representative head. Before you go too far with that objection, think about what you're saying. You're arguing that you would rather be your own rep rep here. And before you ask for that, let me just ask you a simple question. How's that been going for you? Seriously, how's that been going for you this week? How's that been going for you today? Have you ever had a sinless day in your life? I haven't. All we have to do is look at our own hearts to see the devastation that sin has wreaked and to see the kind of representative we would have been. And we see it all over our hearts in our lives. And Paul wants you to see that. Paul wants you to see the devastation that sin has brought. He's brought it up all over Romans so far. But he also wants you to hear the good news. Romans has good news for us. Romans 5 in particular has good news. And the good news is this. We have another representative head. We have a better representative representative head one who offers grace and life so let's talk a little bit about that grace and you'll see it there in the next section the next paragraph 15 through 17 so kind of focus on that there are a few things i want us to see about this grace that's offered in this better representative head first thing i want you to see just as sin came by one man adam grace came by one man Jesus Christ. Before I go any further about grace, let's define it. What is grace? I want to hear from you guys here. What is, when we say grace, what is it? Go ahead, Mike. When you do something for someone, even though they don't deserve it. Okay, good. Yeah, maybe uh, let's turn it into more general, like getting what you don't deserve. Okay, undeserved forgiveness. Okay, undeserved forgiveness. Any other thoughts on grace? Yeah, Jay. It's a free gift. Okay, a free gift. Man, we're going to talk a lot about that here in just a second. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, so think about it in those terms. Getting what what you don't deserve. Getting this free free gift of forgiveness. All this came through the life, death, and resurrection of this one man, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Jesus came and He lived 33 years of perfect obedience. He died on a cross to pay the punishment for our disobedience. And so at that cross, a double exchange took place. He took our sin and He gave us His righteousness. That's grace. We get what we don't deserve. What are we, sinners? What do we deserve? Death, condemnation, wrath. Jesus took all that and he gave us his perfect spotless record and so in a very real sense we get what we do not deserve second thing I want you to hear about grace look, about, look, look back there at those verses that I'll sum out verses 15 through 17 there's a phrase that comes up over and over and over what was it Free Freak, gift. Yeah. it comes up five times in, in those three verses alone. What do you think Paul wants us to know about grace? It's a free gift. It's a free gift. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's not something you and I work for. It's a free gift. And then lastly, this gift of grace brought justification. Let's do a definition here again. What's what's justification? What does that mean? <coughs> when we say justification, what do we mean? Being made right. Okay, being made right. That's good. Any other thoughts? Yeah, go ahead. Amber. When things like settled in place and Yeah. Like yeah. Okay, so yeah, if you think about it in terms of a debt, accounts have been settled. Yeah, you've been made right. You who were in wrong standing or poor standing before God have been made right. And you've been brought into right standing or good standing. Or think about it in terms of a courtroom. It's where the judge declares not guilty. And he can declare that not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is and what Christ has done in that double exchange that we talked about. I've heard it put this way. Justification is just as if I never sinned. Justification, just as if I never sinned. But how can that be? I know my own heart. Well, again, it comes back to what Jesus did for us. It can only be by what Jesus, our representative had did for us In January 2009, there was another flight that went down with about 150 people on board. U.S. Airways Flight 1549 crash landed in the Hudson River. Y'all heard about this one, right? Yeah, in downtown Manhattan. Some birds had gotten into the engines and caused the engines to fail. And there was a movie made of this, Sully. Pilot Sully Sullenberger, I think was his name, was able to land the plane safely in the Hudson, saving the lives of everyone on that flight. Sullenberger was a representative head who brought his people through what should have been a fatal descent. Listen, Jesus is our better representative head he brings his people through the fatal descent into sin and to death he saves all who put their trust in him and there's just not a more important question i could ask you tonight than this one is your trust in him passengers of that U.S. Airways flight 1549 could do nothing to save themselves. Their trust was in another to save them. And so will you stop trying, will we stop trying to save ourselves, and will you simply put your trust in another, the only one who can save, who is Jesus Christ? Adam brought sin and death Jesus brings grace and life. Our theology matters because it will shape how we think and it will shape how we live. Let's look at the last few verses of our text to talk about why this matters or how this should shape how we live. There are four big ideas from these verses that are going to serve as kind of application points for us. Look at the second half of verse 20. It says this but where sin increased grace abounded all the more the word abounded or abundance shows up 3 times in this text paul wants us to know that this grace that jesus brought is abundant grace it is lavish it's ridiculous it's overflowing and here's why this matters most of us in this room this week have felt the overwhelming weight of guilt and shame. This week alone. Most of us have been under that weight of our guilt and our shame. In our heart of hearts, we believe our sin is bigger than our Savior. And can I tell you, it's not? That's not true. This grace that's given to us in the Lord Jesus is greater than all our sin. Jesus is greater than Adam. Jesus is greater than Sarah's sin. Jesus is greater than Paul's sin. Jesus is greater than Tim's. You fill in the blank with your name. Jesus is greater. And the grace that he brings is mighty to save So here's the application point. You and I can live free from guilt and shame. If you have put your trust in Jesus, this grace abounds to you tonight. And it's abundant grace. Second application. Verse 19 ends with these words. By the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Y'all follow logic. By Jesus' obedience, the many, those who put their hope and trust in him, will be made righteous. Because of the cross, we will be made righteous. Do y'all hear that? Jesus is making us righteous. And you need to hear this because it's easy to get discouraged, even to the point of despair, by our ongoing struggles with sin. You get discouraged by that too. With that discouragement comes then the temptation, at least it does for me. And, and I hear the enemy's voice whisper to me, or, Joe, just give up. It's not worth it. Joe, you've always struggled with this. It's not worth it. But I want to encourage you, I want to encourage my own heart. Don't fall for that lie. This passage is telling us we are being made righteous. And it might be a painfully slow process, but it is happening. So keep fighting, keep believing, keep clinging to all the things that God has given to help you grow. Things like His Word, being in His Word. Things like prayer, crying out to Him in prayer. Things like community, being around God's people who can encourage you, who can pray for you, who can hold you accountable. And listen, God is doing something in those things. Even if you don't see it, God is doing something as you cling tightly to those things. So know that if you're in Christ, you are being made righteous. So keep fighting, keep clinging. Third application. And it comes really from from that same verse there, verse 19, but I'm going to draw it from the word many. The many will be made righteous. Righteous. And I think Paul's thinking here is just as the effect of Adam's sin was universal, remember we said that that sin and death then spread to all men. Just as the effect of Adam's sin was universal, so the gracious offer of the grace of Christ is universal. In other words, it goes out to the many. And so this is not a gospel, this is not just good news for the Jews or the religious or, or those who have their act together. This good news is for the many, for every race, for every language, for every economic class, for every personality type, for every kind of struggling sinner like you and like me. And it's for the many here on this campus of JMU. Are we taking it to the many? And I ask that question because we're the means God has set up to take the good news of the gospel to others are we taking it to the many are we taking it to our classes are we taking it to UREC or to our job or to your apartment or to your dorm when's the last time you shared this good news with someone when's the last time you've invited someone here to RUF to hear about this news there's so many here at JMU and in our city, will you share it with them? This good news is for the many. Fourth and last application, verse 24 says that this grace leads to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This passage has talked a lot about one of the results of sin being death. Death. And that death is mentioned over and over, but you know what else is mentioned over and over? Eternal life. The eternal life that God's grace brings. And so for all who have their faith in Jesus Christ, we also have the hope of eternal life. And Jesus' resurrection, the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead is a guarantee of this. In his resurrection, he triumphed over death and over sin and let me go back to that idea of representative head as our representative head Jesus conquered death and sin for us and so we can live in unrestrained, unfettered hope and joy and faith because in Jesus we have this eternal life sin came through one man Adam grace came through one man Jesus and that grace is offered to you tonight we're about to sing a song that folks have been singing for hundreds of years and I want you to hear the first stanza amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see do you see you know this grace and will you come to Jesus for this grace. Let me pray. God, thanks for this grace abounding to sinners like us. Thank you, though, that sin had infected and affected each one of us and brought death both physical and spiritual thank you that through the Lord Jesus you brought life thank you that through him you brought justification through him you lavish abundant grace on us so Lord I pray that we would come and drink deeply of that well at your grace that we would know more of it that we would be filled with more of it and that we would go and love others with it as you take us to our classes, to our jobs wherever you take us Lord, will we will be a people of grace proclaiming your grace to this world. And Lord, thank you for the eternal life that you offer us. Thank you that death is not the end of the story. Though we face that in this broken world, thank you for the promise that you hold out in eternal life. And because of that, we can live fearlessly and faithfully. Help us to do that. And we pray it in Christ's name.